So if Peru already seemed far away from home to me, then my four-hour outboard motor boat ride deep into the Amazon jungle towards the Tahuayo River Jungle Lodge, it was pretty much like heading into a completely other world. There were no roads, no stoplights, houses and buildings made like grass shacks, like a Gilligan's Island adventure. And, you know, it was the year 2006 on my trip. So we're firmly into the 21st century. But these jungle communities were still living in this off-the-map way, which just fascinated me. It's beyond the awareness of pretty much the rest of the outside world. And any outsiders there were most likely environmental scientists and preservationists, botanists, along with high-adventure tourists, kind of like myself. I was visiting the Amazonia Expedition's Jungle Lodge. And when it came to climate issues back in 2006, this wasn't something the average person spoke about. Um, of course, some people in that outside world were aware probably of the deforestation going on in the Amazon forest. We hear about things. Uh, and that, of course, it's bad for the planet. But it was mostly background noise at that time. And you know, you'd hear something about losing a football field of trees every minute in the, the clear-cutting deforestation. But like, but then you become unable to wrap your mind around the statistic. It's just, it's mind boggling. So then we just go back to doing whatever it was that, that we could understand and uh, just continue on with our normal lives. But if back in 2006, climate change was the mouse in the room, today it is the T-Rex in the room. It's, it's the T-Rex in all of our collective faces. And to me, it's ironic that these same Amazon jungle communities that nobody really ever thought about because they're living off the map, now they're actually at ground zero of this global climate crisis that's completely rocking the consciousness of the entire planet. And this year alone, 40,000 fires have been set in the Amazon rainforest to clear land for ranching and agriculture. And the hashtag pray for the Amazon was the top trending on Twitter. So anybody who isn't aware of what's going on with the climate now is living in another world. Today, everyone knows, even if they may not want to admit it, that greenhouse gases and carbon emissions have created record high temperatures, more extreme storms, droughts, wildfires, and it's threatening the atmosphere of millions of species, including humans. And if fifth grade science class taught us anything at all, it's that the rainforests provide the essential carbon sinks to balance things out, produce more oxygen, suck in more, more of the CO2. With a landmass more than half the area of the continental U.S., this is how big the Amazon rainforest is. It's one of the planet's best natural defenses against climate change, regulating global temperatures by absorbing about 2.2 billion tons of CO2 emissions per year. But already about 18% of that forest has disappeared due to deforestation, again, for industrial and agricultural use. And the problem is that it pushes the whole region dangerously close to this tipping point where, you know, there's a, a point of no return where the forest cannot regenerate itself. And uh, anyway, so this fight for the lungs of the planet, as the rainforest is known as, it's really now evolved far past just the natives that live there at ground zero. It's past the climate scientists and the environmentalists and even the celebrities that are trying to gain, gain awareness traction. It's now really an all-hands-on-deck existential crisis with enormous consequences for everyone. And along with that, climate anxiety, which is a thing now, is becoming the newest disorder as mental health issues are rising with the temperatures. According to the UN, 
Climate change-related natural disasters have had a profound negative impact on the mental health of survivors of these extreme events in the form of increased depression, anxiety, stress, grief, anger, suicide, and uh, PTSD, but also people who aren't even directly affected by the natural disasters. Just reading about it, reading about climate change is causing measurable mental distress, um, and everything from lots of sleepless nights, just wondering if the world is coming to an end, to anger at political inaction and hand-wringing and just the power of industry over all of us that we don't really have a choice. But the problem is this youngest generation and the kids. They have the most to lose, and it's it, it's causing them to become justifiably anxious. A lot more young people say they're worrying about the threat of climate change you know, compared to people over the age of 50 who are kind of muttering under their breath that they're just glad they're going to be dead before it all goes down. Um, the 20 warmest years on record have all come in the past 22 years, which is essentially the lifetime of today's children and young adults. And they're discovering, though, that they can't rely on the adults to be there for them. And the thing is, more than any time or situation before, children everywhere, you know, they always need opportunities to contribute to something larger than, than themselves. That is just part of what they need as they grow into themselves as adults. But right now, they need an indispensable role in protecting essentially their human family. And, you know, and a, a lot of them are stepping up. Last spring, students in more than 100 countries skipped school to stage massive protests, trying to increase the awareness of their, their plight. They're inspired by this 16-year-old Greta Thunberg, who's been stalking Swedish parliament for um, months and months, trying to, again, get attention on the, the political inaction. And young people worldwide, they're pissed. And, you know, they're starting to rock the status quo. But there's even more to it. There's a deeper crisis that's really pulling at their relationships. Um, studies reveal a significant generation gap is forming in concern about this climate change because, you know, adults, they understand the urgency. Yes, it's important intellectually, but they don't feel the same panic emotionally. And uh, and kids, kids are picking up on that. And, you know, partly as an adult, yeah, we're focused on getting the bills paid, demands of parenthood. Um, it seems like a luxury to have be able to skip school, skip anything and go out and strike. But, you know, the problem is this generational gap is causing a lot of teenagers to feel a growing resentment that the adults in their lives, you know, that they're not there for them and that these adults, they've been able to live their lives pretty normally, but the, these kids aren't going to have the same opportunities when it's their turn as grownups. So they feel unable to trust their parents uh, the older, because of the older generation's lack of action. It's kind of like that moment when you're, it's your turn in the shower and you realize everyone ahead of you used up all the hot water. And um, yeah, and these kids, they should feel pissed. And, and sure, they can strike in March, but it's their inability to vote for policy changes. They can't make major spending decisions um, in the family. And it, it leaves them with a feeling of helplessness. And that is contributing to this generational gap of anxiety between the generations. Um, you know, meanwhile, now parents and adults, they're, they're experiencing a lot of their own grief and guilt, too. Uh, partly that they aren't protecting their children and they don't really know what to do about it. Polls are showing that many more Americans worry about global warming than they ever have before. But when it comes to the environment, it's like we function like very well-meaning addicts, like 
earnestly promising to change our behaviors, but it's kind of like a New Year's Eve resolution where you know changing ingrained behaviors is a lot easier said than done. Uh, and the more common psychological response to climate change is avoidance. It's that's easier. Fear, uh, fatalism, like uh, it's just God's will. You know, there's nothing we can do. Helplessness, resignation. And sometimes just flat out denial, like, no, it's it's not a thing. It's not happening. And that's pretty typical for people that just feel kind of paralyzed. They don't know what to do. So let's just say it's not there. Uh, and that, yeah, the thought of tackling something so huge, so overwhelming, we don't know where to start. That causes the paralysis, not knowing where to start. But And when that happens, people just shut down and they don't engage. Or, you know, sometimes, you know, when we start comparing ourselves to those who are doing a better job than we are, or some that are doing an amazing job, we start to feel worse about ourselves. And then we shut down again, like next to those vegans with their solar paneled houses and zero carbon footprint, and their, you know, tiny little garbage pile at the end of the year, how they've managed to, to pare down, like, you know, we can feel so comparably inadequate next to them that we just kind of feel ready to surrender before we even begin to try. But according to psychotherapists, you know, we you can't leave it alone. It's that's not it's not okay. And you know, we just need to ease this feeling of anxiety by turning it around. And instead of focusing on the fear, if we can focus on the opportunity in our midst to create a better world, uh even if it's going to be hard, um and not looking at it for the short run, but really the long haul. Um, facing this crisis by just changing the way we feel about it is the first step. And um, and it can't be from the standpoint of loss. Like if we feel like we're just being deprived without plastic straws and, and SUVs, you know, then we're doomed really from the start. You, we can't be looking at this as deprivation. We have to think of it more like, I, I think of those artisans who spent over 180 years to build the Notre Dame Cathedral. You know, they didn't expect to see it finished in their own lifetime, but they just felt compelled and honored to be part of creating something that was important for the world. And when they when they contributed themselves at that level, they didn't care if they saw it completed or not. So for the sake of our own mental health, we need to take action. And for the sake of our children, yeah, we cannot just shrug and have a this is your problem attitude because I'm going to be dead when it goes down. That we can't we can't do that. There's plenty of things that we can do. Um, here's just a list. Uh, find a group working on climate change and join it. It's as simple as that sounds. Just feeling connected to people with the same goals really helps. And and taking personal action on any level, it just makes you feel less helpless. Um, getting politically involved and not just waiting for the presidential election to vote for the most eco-friendly candidate. Now. Just small local politics, local policy initiatives. Encourage your local leaders to back programs like setting goals to cut your city's emissions, purchasing more electrical electric vehicles, alternative fuel buses, you know, those bikes that are all around that people can use. And they do. It really works. Um, advocate just more green spaces and parks in your neighborhood. Simple stuff at the household level. There's so many things you can do. Eat less meat. Start by Googling great vegetarian recipes and you'll be amazed. You don't necessarily miss the meat. Your your colon will thank you. Uh, reusing whatever you can. There's so much. St- think about buying high quality paper towels, cleaning your sink off. You can use, rinse, and repeat a dozen times. You'll just check it out and see 
how long it takes before you have to go back to the store to buy even one more roll. Uh, buy clothing from high-quality secondhand stores uh, at the grocery store instead of reaching for another plastic container for your cat litter or your laundry soap. See if there's a paper box option instead. And wash your clothes in cold water. Cut down your carbon emissions. Walk, bike more. Everybody knows that. But how about having more virtual meetings? We live in a digital age where communication has never been easier. But think about how many times you get in a car to have to go and meet in person at the coffee shop. And you you may not need to be doing as much of that um, in-person meeting as you think. You can sign up for a home energy visit. Find out how you can lower your own carbon emissions all over your life and save money too. So there's just no loss once you start to become aware of the things you can do. Uh, shopping at farmer's markets, buy closer to home, uh, carry your own water bottles, shopping bags. Everybody already knows that. Plant a tree, stop wasting food. The biggest thing is if you find yourself feeling overwhelmed by you know how big that proverbial cathedral is to build, don't shut down. Just small steps, just baby steps, incorporating one new action a week will do more for your mental health by being part of this solution. And uh, and truly, little by little, things do add up. They really do. And um, these little actions, they show that younger generation that we're all in this together. We cannot let this generational gap pull us apart. Um, now, of course, this sounds, you know, all sounds good, but we have to face the hard truth that fighting climate change, it's going to require massive changes in large industries. And this is stuff that little people don't have a lot of power over. Yeah, it is going to be more than a series of small change consumer choices. It is. But, you know, as, as Margaret Mead said, never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. So the bottom line is when it comes to the ecosystem of humanity, we are all in this together. We need to take care of each other. We need to take care of ourselves. I'm Dina Fessler, and if you'd like to be on the GSD mailing list or listen to more of our podcast discussions, just visit gsdnetwork.net to sign up.